and go. You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Raja coming to you on Tuesday, the 28th of May. Now, I've got Vince with me, but he's going to shut up for just a few minutes because i got something to say. So, you will remember a few, I think it's been a few months ago now, we were talking about what we were reading and I mentioned a webcomic that I got freaking hooked on and literally went through like 800 strips of worth of archives in a matter of a couple of days. I couldn't stop reading it. Well, we actually wanted to do something a little bit different and talk about not just that work that this gentleman does, but as well as the other work that is much more comic related kind of thing. And Vincent actually had not yet went through the archives and I was speaking to him just, was that yesterday or the day before? And you said you went through them in like two hours. It was Sunday. I said I went through it in a couple of hours one afternoon while I was watching a fighting game tournament at the same time. Just so stop. I just <laughs> destroyed that archive. So yeah, so we've been through all of the archives. We've been through the comic work that he has as well. And we're going to talk all about this because we're very fortunate. We've got Philip Jackson on the show right now. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. No, no, we're... I, as will become quite obvious as we continue to gush over this work, <laughs> we're huge freaking fans of the work. Now, for people who aren't aware, just to give the lowdown of what we're talking about here, when you go to Philip's site, you're going to Collected Curios, and then from there you can bounce to several of the strips that he works on. There's the obvious sequential art, and that is the webcomic that he puts out on a regular basis. There is the new Battle Bunnies, which I'd mentioned before. Silly name, but trust me, it, it works and it's a fantastic freaking comic that's being put up one page at a time. And then there's a couple of other ones, Spiders and Scorpions and How to Play. We're not going to touch too much on that. But there's also the actual comic that he's putting out, uh, Little Victory. So we're actually going to start with um, sequential art. We'll work through everything slowly and give our thoughts on where it is. With sequential art, I mean, we see it a lot of times with novels where the it's a writer as the main character because as the old saying goes, you write about what you know. And here we see that the main character is an artist. And I'm wondering, was that kind of on purpose? You wanted that because you know it inside and out or just kind of happened that way? Well, it is a case of write what you know. But um, I needed someone with an occupation in that in that strip. So, yes. Giving him the role of a concept artist was seemed the most obvious choice. Uh, he's not an author insert, though. I have to point that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> in fact, I think there's a, a little bit of me in every single one of the characters, really. So, okay, that's a that little scary when we look at some of the. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Your art has a very cool, like anime style quality to it. Are there any particular influences that led to that? Well, anime obviously is the uh, the chief sort of insp- uh, the chief sort of inspiration behind my style um i've always enjoyed um european comics not some mm-hmm. um yeah european french spanish 
they all have that sort of nice, smooth, clean styling, um, which I try to emulate. That's funny because when you look through and you start with sequential art and you look through the first few um, strips, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're beautiful, they're fantastic, but you can really appreciate just how much your art has evolved when you're reading through the archives, especially when you compare it to um, Little Victory right now and you can see this massive evolution in style. And I'm wondering if that has been just so much like you settling into a style or a lot of practice and study over the years? It's more practice and study. The more you draw, the more you put pen to paper, the better you get at it, the more proficient your line work becomes. Um, I do like sort of flicking back and forth between the very first strip of sequential art and the latest, just to sort of remind myself of how far it's come along. Um, yep. oh, yeah. Even with uh, actual little victory, because that's sort of developing at a snail's pace, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, if we're you look get at the first that. couple of pages of that and compare it to the most recent ones, uh, there is, uh, like you say, an evolutionary jump. Again. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you see it a lot with that, and we're going to talk about that later on. You definitely see it. But because, and, and here's the thing, folks, about, again, sequential art and just how much I think of it. I went through the entire archive in, in no time at all and absolutely loved it. And then in preparing for this, I went through it again. And it didn't feel like a chore. I wanted to read every single strip again. That's how strong it is. And part of that has to do with, I mean, you have such an amazing cast of characters, uh, each with their own quirks, each lovable in their own way. I, I maintain, honestly, Scarlet is one of my favorite <laughs> webcomic characters, period, ever. That is, it's just that good. Um, like when you were working on it, did you have a good feel for who the cast was going to be or are you just kind of weaving in characters as you're writing it? Well, the original cast of Art, Pip and Cat were, um, they were all prepared uh, before I launched into the strip, launched into uh, illustrating the strip. Uh, Scarlet didn't actually crop up until, well, virtually when you see her in the strip. Um, and she was actually the least developed of the characters. Um, which is rather surprising that she's gone on to become one of the most popular. I guess it's part of the, dynam <clears throat> part of the dynamism of uh, developing the story. Well, I think that, again, just because of the way that she's written, and it's not just her, it's all of the characters, the, um, the way that they're written, each of them has, they're, they're, they're well-defined in terms of who they are, which is a credit to you, your writing abilities. Because a lot of times when you are reading a webcomic where it is wholly created by one person, often they'll be very strong in one or the other, the writing or the art kind of thing. Either that or they're working in tandem with somebody else so that they can have that good balance. And here we have something where the characters are so well defined that it really does not take long at all to really care for them quite a bit. And then on top of that, you have these amazing story arcs as well. They're growing increasingly deranged, I feel. <laughs> I, started, I, started off the, I started off the strip with the intention of just sort of reflecting on comic book and computer game culture. Um, but then that day of the Denizens arc kicked in. Um, and then everything from there has sort of been an escalation of absurdity. Yeah, like, like we saw with that day of the Denizens, it started off with, you know, a little couple 
I think it was like two or three strips at first, and then it turned into, you know, world domination, <laughs> weaponized satellites, and, and like we saw later on with Scarlet and so much other stuff. Did you go into those arcs with plans for a long-term story, or did you just kind of get over your head and just ran with it? Um, I, tried, I tried to approach an arc with at least an idea of a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, otherwise, it's very easy to sort of get lost in what you're doing, and it starts to feel like it's dragging on a bit. Um, but... I, these characters, I've worked them for, well, since 2005 now. Um, so they're sort of kind of driving themselves. They sort of know where they're going. Is it something that you feel that, because you, you, you keep in touch with your fans too through your forums quite a bit. Is it something that you feel that your readers prefer the long epic story arcs over the single strip punchlines? Uh, it seems to be a, a mix. Some people really, really like the... Uh, the longer arcs, other people prefer the uh, the one-shot strips. Um, so I, I try to keep a balance or at least include standalone strips in amongst the longer arcs to keep everyone happy. Um, the longer arcs certainly are easier to write than the short standalone strips. Easier, yes. easier to write, and yet you still are challenged in that you have to make sure that each strip in and of itself is also uh, worth reading and is has a funny bit in it and has a you know beginning, middle, and end for each and every lit- individual strip as well. So that creates a lot of work when you're looking at an epic storyline that is lasting. Geez, some of these last, what, a dozen or more strips. <laughs> and so like when you're looking at the denizens, good God, that went on forever. So being able to maintain that epic long story while still ensuring that every single strip is also still funny and fun to read. There's a lot of work that's involved in that. There are people that will stay away from the strip for a a period of time and then come back to it and read a number of strips all at once to sort of get the full effect of the story. Um, I think if you chaps were following the strip day by day, you might actually feel that it might actually be crawling along at a little slower pace. You chaps um, read it all in one go. Uh, So you'll have sort of got the full weight of the story. Um, But yeah, including the humor or just fun uh, fun aspects of the illustration are what I try to keep in there to keep people coming back day by day. So far, we've seen plots to destroy the world, extra dimensional horrors, and now multiple alien invasions. (laughs) What more could you put these poor guys through? Um, well, <laughs> well, and are the police <laughs> ever going to actually show up? <laughs> yeah, people people have been asking why haven't the authorities intervened at least once? <laughs> they're the heroes; they're meant to <laughs> they're meant to save the world. Actually, even they are questioning why they have to save the world every five minutes. Um, with sequential art, I tend just to have fun with the writing. So, what I throw at the characters is sort of what I'm pondering at the time, or what movies I've been watching at the time. So. Um, <laughs> For example, with the latest arc, I've obviously been watching They Live. Um, Can't blame you there. <laughs> All right. So when you established the denizens, like at first they were just kind of you know these weird little shadow things. But they've actually grown to become my favorite part of sequential art. How have you been able to give so much character to these silent, almost featureless creatures? Um, that probably goes back to my time at college. Uh, I went to art college and one of the exercises we were to do there was to make um, a circle, just a plain plain drawn circle on a page. Make a circle as, as expressive as possible with as few lines as possible. So you had to sort of turn it into a face just by using a handful of lines 
and try to get as many expressions out of those few lines as possible. Um, so I sort of credit my ability to give a featureless black blob a sort of charm to that. I actually kind of gave a little cheer myself when the denizen managed to mail himself home. So <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that one myself. <laughs> uh, along that same thought line, I, Roger said his favorite character is Scarlet, but he's clearly wrong because the best character in the entire comic is Leonard. How how did you make a platypus such a great character? <laughs> Well, uh, Leonard, like Scarlet, started off just as a single one-shot sketch that didn't have actually anything to do with the comic uh, proper. Uh, he was always destined to be unlucky. The very first picture I drew of him was just this dejected-looking, at the time unnamed platypus, looking at a glass which had just been spilt. And it just had the caption, Leonard had been very much looking forward to drinking his orange juice, but he spilt it. Um, and I posted that online, and it was immensely popular, so I just included him in this strip. In the same way that uh, I included Scarlet in the strip, because she, that single pinup that she initially appeared in was popular with people. How much are you doing that with a lot of the things that you're putting in, where you're keeping a very close eye on what is popular and what the folks are liking, and essentially giving them more of what they want? Um, I, I, well, I obviously try to keep the fans happy, but at the same time... Sequential art and, all, well, in fact, all of my comics, the main reason I do them is for me. I sort of write them for me. Uh, my theory is that if it makes me smile, if I enjoy something that's in it, the chances are at least a couple of other people out there will enjoy it. Um, and that seems to be working so far. Yeah. <laughs> so I've read countless web comics over the years. And one thing I've noticed about just about all of them is they reach a point where they start becoming more grandiose. You know, they start adding in extra strips and these big lavish stories that, like you said, tend to drag on forever. How have you maintained the balance of keeping sequential art to that one little strip every time? Um, I think it's a case of doing all you can not to write yourself into a corner. Uh, as you say, things can escalate to a point where... Um, there is nowhere else to go. And that's generally when most comics should end. Um, with sequential art, uh, it could go on for any length of time because it is just, it's meant, it's intended to be a fun ride. It's not, you're not meant to read into it with any great detail. Oops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what have you found by reading into it? I'm curious to know. <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> See, I love how you work in a lot of different pop culture references and gaming references and like the Aperture Science story arc stuff with the squirrels was bloody brilliant. And then for those of us who played and love Portal, obviously seeing like this ragtag team going up against Gladys, this Gladys-like entity, it was hysterical. Now, I know that you also work on the different strip, How to Play, which deals exclusively with quote-unquote tips on playing different games. But do you actually prefer working in those references in sequential art where you can kind of play with it more and have fun? I like to include references that people who understand the references will get, but at the same time, a person who isn't familiar with a reference will still be able to enjoy. Right. Um, I don't... I, I don't like to use pop culture references per se because I feel that they date very quickly. Um, I like things to be able to sort of stand alone and be able to... You can refer to them a couple of years down the line and you will still get the joke or you will still get the gag. So while the Aperture Science 
or the nod to Aperture Science is obviously a reference to Portal, it still stands on its own two feet quite well. Yeah. Um, well, the same thing with the Team Fortress stuff that you put in too. If if anyone has played Team Fortress, oh my God, I was doubled over laughing a couple of times. But if you haven't, you still understand that they've put themselves in the game kind of thing and it could be any first-person shooter type of game. Yeah, that's that's so, it. it could be any first-person shooter. It doesn't, but, it doesn't hinge, the gag doesn't hinge on the fact that it's Team Fortress. It's exactly, yeah. But it's, it's that much funnier when you've got Scarlet as the pyro. <laughs> that just makes it hysterical. Scarlet as the pyro trying to take out a sniper at range. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I played with her once. Yeah. <laughs> I also like how you're inserting characters into like a D&D game or a different board game as well. And you're bringing it to, to life. The squirrels is legion was freaking hysterical. The IEM Battle Cube, oh my God. Again, I was bent over laughing. I thought it was so funny. Like, are you a big pen and paper player as well? I, I used to be. Um, I, it was never Dungeons and Dragons. It was always something called um, Advanced Fighting Fantasy, which was sort of a, a, a streamlined uh, dungeon crawler game. I used to play that as a uh, teen. So with the, all the references, one really stuck out to me, and I was like, okay, I, I got to ask him about this. Because I've gone on record any number of times about this particular comic, and you specifically mentioned it like by name, by writer. So I was just really interested to know what your thoughts were on Neonomicon. Oh, okay, yeah. I've, I've, I've kind of lost my... I used to really like Alan Moore. Um, I used to. Uh, he seems to have gone off the map slightly. I think it's pronounced off his the deep end at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here be monsters. Um, yeah, I, I, I tried to wade through the first couple of issues of Neonomicon, uh, and it, it was batty uh, the the prelude to it uh, what was it called the courtyard mm-hmm. because um neonomicon leads on from that i've just got a couple of the characters uh, the courtyard i felt was a, a perfectly competent sort of standalone story it was had a certain couple of dubious aspects to it um but those dubious aspects are sort of cranked up to 11 when it comes to neonomicon mm. uh, i mean the same goes with um league of extraordinary gentlemen the first couple of uh, the first two volumes of that Perfectly good. Uh, and then later volumes, I think from the Black Dossier onwards, uh, they're just utterly insane. And it's not, good kinda, not a good way. <laughs> it's good to kind of get that confirmation because every time something like that wins an award, I just start chewing on my microphone and yelling at people. So at, at <laughs> least I'm not alone in my thoughts. There. Oh, yes, it won the Bram Stoker Award for Best Graphic Novel. What? Yeah, Bram last Stoker year. Would be spinning in his grave. <laughs> against several other comics that I really enjoyed. Uh, so I was like, what? <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it must have simply been because it was Alan Moore that wrote it. I, I think that's exactly it is, what yeah. it was. Yeah. And then we've got all of the movie references that you put in as well. Like Mad props for the nuking, the free fridge reference. Love that. <laughs> um, and you're working on the James Cameron story arc now, which I've been enjoying. How much longer? That's been going on for a little while now. How much longer are you planning them and putting them through hell with the James Cameron stuff? Well, again, that, that, well, that, this is a perfect example of what I was talking about. You're following it now from uh, when you first started reading Sequential Art. Um, it's actually the pace at which I put out the strips because I'm working on a, a bunch of different things at once. I used to actually manage to get out like um, four to five strips a week back when I first started out. But because of additional projects on the side, I've actually had to re- sort of rein in the amount of time that I spend on sequential art. I'd love to spend more time on it, um, but, you know, I need to eat. So, <laughs> um, 
Well, yeah. it's not uh, free web comics. Great fun, but there's not a huge amount of money. Money to be made. <laughs> no, you need to start marketing more. We need to start yeah. seeing some pinup shirts of of Scarlet and Cat and stuff. It would sell. You know it. You just got to sell your soul. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to one of the other projects then. Let's tackle Battle of Bunnies, which is, I mean, relatively new. And for folks who haven't read it, each quote unquote strip consists of what would be a single comic page. The story is less about the single page confined idea as opposed to like it's an ongoing story that's going on. But again, each page still has a beginning and end and ha- is worth reading in and of itself. Do you find it more challenging because there's so much more that you have to do to make certain that each page again has a concise idea that can be read and enjoyed in and of itself versus reading, you know, four or five or six pages in a row? Um, well, Battle Bunnies was actually written with the intention of being a four-issue uh, miniseries of hard copy uh, comic strips. Right. Uh, the reason I started putting it online was because I, I wasn't, I, I simply didn't have the time to sit down and focus on a single issue in one go. So a page a week I can do. Um, so that, um, so if each page feels as though it stands alone, uh, that's actually purely down to the way I write a comic strip. Uh, I've, I just feel that something has to be happening on each page, be it through narrative or just an uh, just an exciting visual. See, it's something that I can see if you are, like you're saying, like if you're working on one page a week, then you're more likely to see it as something that, where again, you have that beginning and middle and end for each page. Whereas if you are pumping through much more than you're seeing that story arc and you're working through the pages. And we see that when we read some comics too, where there isn't enough going on on certain pages. And you can appreciate that it's probably because, again, the artists and writers are ripping through as many pages as they can to get the story out. Like, what are your plans for the uh, the series as a whole? But what am, I, what am I going to do with it when it's finished? Well, not just um, what you're going to be doing it, but in terms of the actual characters and the, and the story arc, what are some of the plans that you have for that you're you would like to share? Oh well, the current arc is was always intended to be an introduction to the the heroes and possibly some of the villains of what I of what I plan to do with later miniseries of the Battle Bunnies sort of well of, with the Battle Bunnies um, IP. Um, so. You could consider this arc to be just uh, an extended prologue, an introduction to, like I say, the characters and the universe in which they inhabit. So you're planning on doing a lot more. You're setting up the essentially Battle Bunnies as an IP so that you can keep going back to it with other series later on. Yes, there's a, there's a, a large amount of history I have written in regards to the characters, uh, the nations uh, that are involved. Well, there's the fictitious nations which are involved with it and the city in which it is set. Um, that's all jotted out. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be written into this arc specifically, but it is there. So um, the possibility for it to be extended is. So you said that it initially was supposed to be an actual comic miniseries, but you decided to start doing the this format. Is, is it still going to have you know a set like every 20, 24 pages? Is that going to be seen as an issue for Battle Bunnies? Um, well, I've just finished page 29 today, actually. There's only one more page uh, of this sort of opening chapter, and that would have been considered an issue. And are you planning on putting it out, actually, once you are done with the, uh, like you're saying one more page, are you planning on putting it out so that people can pick it up as they are with Little Victory? 
Yes, it will be released as a sort of compilation of everything that's appeared online thus far, um, and it will appear in in once it's all once it's fully completed, it will appear as the full four issues I'd intended. Right. Okay. Cool. So we saw the beginnings of it uh, in sequential art, and now obviously Battle Bunnies is just purely anthropomorphic characters. Is that a particular style you enjoy for your characters? Um. Yes and no. I mean, I, I just uh, these characters just started out as well the, mm-hmm. with battle bunnies. They started out as bunnies. Um, I, I can probably pin this on um, the cartoons that I grew up watching. I mean, it was nothing but Saturday morning Disney cartoons, and that's stuff like um, Ducktales, which is nothing but anthropomorphic characters. Right. Um, and I've just I've just always enjoyed that. Um, I could go into some sort of pretentious argument about uh, me using these characters because it's easier to. Uh, easier to show the personality by reflecting that directly physically in what kind of animal they are represented as. Well, it gives you a lot more freedom to just to have a lot more fun with it. I was going to say, really, it's purely down to having me having fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's something that I see when I'm reading through and I'm thinking just how different would the strip be if in fact it was just people versus this. And what I get from it is it wouldn't be anywhere near as much fun to read. Again, Scarlet as a character would not be anywhere near as interesting if she wasn't a squirrel. It just, it it fits. And then it allows you to pin on so many more um, different characteristics for the character in terms of because you're associating with, again, a squirrel. So it's just, it seems like it's just so much more fun. Um, one of the things that I like too is like, yeah, yeah you've got the obvious pinup characters that are the much more svelte and everything else, um, which are pretty much mandatory. But you also have strong characters like Bo in Battle Bunnies, which would be mad if she was, <laughs> if she stayed in this <laughs> small shape that, because of that cloak in the last thing. And I like that. You got characters that aren't afraid to be who they are kind of thing. Well, Bo's a fairly self, uh, fairly confident character. As, as In fact, I think all the heroes in Battle Bunnies are fairly confident in what they can and cannot do and who they are. And it's fun. I again, I like that. I like when we've talked about this before on the on the show quite a few times too. And I, I see a few times where you kind of slip into the mandatory ass shot, and it's like okay. But yeah. overall, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's mandatory again. But you've got a lot of characters that are strong and that are confident in still who they are. Or in the case of like Cat, not always confident in how she looks, but it works out. It's all right. She's okay with that. And I like that. You, it's not everybody's perfect and everybody looks like, you know, a 11 out of 10 kind of thing. You've got very real characters. Uh, you also see it like when art, <laughs> when the squirrels make art gain all that weight. <laughs> and just little scenes like that. And you create something where because of that, the characters are much more relatable to us kind of thing. Well, everyone has their imperfections. It's sort of exactly. if you're building a character, it's important to include imperfections as well as your sort of ideal vision of what they should be. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Little Victory. You sent us the first three issues as well as the prelude to it. It's going to be a seven-part miniseries, which you're publishing under your Solo Endeavor comics, and then you're selling them through Indie Planet. Now, I got to tell you honestly, I really, really enjoyed this. A lot, a lot. Um, Why don't you give the listeners a rundown on the series? Okay. Um, Little Victory is set in uh, a universe where, it's set in a world where superheroes have 
appeared suddenly after the Second World War. Um, the United Nations, the fledgling United Nations, had to work out a way of p- positioning these uh, individuals around the world. So, uh, last name, you put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that they could kind of spread the power around is how it felt. It was, it was, it was, it was like a um, best way to describe it is a sort of arms race. Um, but at the uh, at the t- at the initiation of this p- particular arms race, there were only two individuals that had superpowers, uh, and they'd appeared in regions of the world not controlled by the uh, the global superpowers of the USA and Russia. So a treaty had to be drawn up um, to ensure the equal di- distri- equal distribution of superpowered people around the planet in order to uh, prevent any kind of global conflict. And see, I really liked that. I liked the again, that, that comparison to them being weapons and that it had to be fair across the board. And then you have the some countries that don't want anything to do with them. I love that Canada's a no-fly zone. I love that. <laughs> this <Right>. is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that all stems back to the sort of uh, Britain, in, in the comic, Britain itself is within this sort of region where superpowered people are appearing. Um, the, the region itself, which I'll go into at a later date within the comic, the region itself is uh, around Europe. This seems to be the only location where superpowered people are appearing. And of course, uh, back in the 1940s, 1950s, when the USA and Russia were sort of at each other's throats, they desperately wanted a piece of this. Um, so they signed this Pantheon Treaty um, so that they could, um, they could actually uh, sort of obtain some of these individuals on their own turf. Again, Cold War, equal balance, mutually assured destruction, all that sort of stuff. Um, as I said, uh, Britain themselves britain britain was within this sort of region where superpowered characters were appearing um so they and the other commonwealth nations sort of right we'll divvy up the superpowered people that are appearing here so we don't have to get bound down by this treaty which the other superpowers are uh, the global superpowers are signing up to so we've seen clearly in the market right now the superhero genre is flooded with titles i mean you obviously have marvel and dc duking it out and we've seen even with the smaller publishers like it's really hard for a superhero themed title to kind of grab hold so what made you decide to throw your hat into that ring i i, I wanted to try uh, and take uh, one a sort of a, a slightly slightly political slightly realistic approach to uh, superhero deployment around the world uh, and Two, I just wanted to make a, a superhero who was... Oh, I wanted to come up with a superhero who didn't feel like a superhero. Um, well-trained, uh, she knows what she's doing, but she's... Uh, whilst she's perfectly capable, she doesn't feel like she's sort of suited to the role. I'm sorry, this goes back to me not being very good at plugging what I'm, what no I'm selling. <laughs> I, tend to, I tend to sort of lean back and let the story sell itself. See, one thing I find pretty interesting about it, reading a number of you know overall comics, is I kind of see the, the story you're developing here sort of like the Civil War thing from Marvel done right, where they, they had the, the superheroes under the control of the government and were evenly distributing them around the country. And of course, the narratively, that just didn't quite work out. So that's why I'm... I'm enjoying Little Victory so much because it, it's taking that and kind of doing it in a way that I wish it would have been done the first time around. 
Well, this is why the uh, this is why I was using it with the United Nations. Uh, this is why I've had the sort of United Nations play a sort of central role within it, uh, in in terms of sort of distributing the powers rather than uh, governments of the world. Yeah, having a UN designated super creature operating within American soil, for example, that would be slightly offensive to the Americans. I feel um, so. I wanted that sort of conflict going on within there. What I like too is that you've created this. Um, the sense where, again, when you're talking about all of the political aspects of it, which for anybody who reads into it, you're really going to be able to appreciate, again, just all of the little things like you're saying there. Again, you've you got to be careful with who's going to be where because it's the UN taking care of it and all of the various countries and how they're going to react to it. Again, I loved what you did with the Commonwealth countries, that it had to be different, and I'm sure there's going to be more of that as the series progresses. But then you flip that, and you have this borderline sweet story about this character that isn't the brash superhero that you would expect, but rather a kid. And again, I've raised four kids. I like a story that has kids that's well done and that it's not this stupid, you know, the the kids movies that you see sometimes, but something that's real and that you can relate to the kids and care about them. And so you've got a really flip side where you've got this, this political intrigue and things like that. And then you have the, the violence and the, the, the excitement of the, the battle scenes and whatnot. And then you've got this flip side where it's a relatable character that's at the root of it and someone that you can really care about that. And again, that's, that's a fine line to walk there. Well, it goes back to what I said, uh, what I mentioned before about each ca- uh, all characters having flaws as well as uh, yeah. sort of perks and stuff. Um, making sort of making uh, Vicky a sort of slightly vulnerable character is the well, it's the contrast of the super the superpowers really. Yeah. Do you like when when we're looking at the series here? Now, you obviously you wrote it. You were the one that did the art. I'm assuming you did the lettering as well, right? Um, no, the lettering okay. is actually from a, uh, it's a free font from uh, blambot.com, right. which is where I get most of my, uh, <laughs> most of my fonts. I'm, I'm, my handwriting's terrible. I can't self-letter. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people use the writing anyways. Um, what I mean is like, do you like having complete creative control over the series? I mean, it, yeah, certainly it's a lot more time consuming. And like, there's something to be said about a collaborative process where you're working with someone, but by being the sole creator, the end result is exactly what you'd envision. Is that something that you prefer at the end of the day? I am a bit of I am a bit of a control freak on certain things, uh, the designs of some characters and whatnot. Um, I have sort of realized recently that I've got more stories and stuff sitting in files which aren't being used than I'll actually ever have time to do with. So recruiting other artists at some point is a, it's a a possibility, but it's just sort of finding, it's just sort of letting go of the characters, letting someone else uh, do the visuals because I've always been a, I've always been a very visual person myself. I've always done all the illustrations for everything. Um, So at the end of the day, you'd be willing to let go of the art for somebody else to work on, but not the writing? Not the writing, no. It has um, to stay your stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, I've tried working on other people's scripts before, lo- a long time ago. Um, it's never been... It, it, it's not been an experience I've ever particularly enjoyed. It, it feels too much like work. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've gone a long way towards establishing this as very strong IP for Little Victory. How much more do you have planned with it? 
Um, there are, f- well, as with Battle Bunnies, there are further story arcs to go on from there. In fact, there's probably more written in regards to Little Victory than Battle Bunnies. Uh, it's just a case of getting the nose to the grindstone and hurry up, hurrying up to get them out there. And, um, and we've reached the one negative part that I told you there was going to be the one hard question. It's, it's <laughs> the, a big negative part. <laughs> the only negative thing I can say about this series is the delay between the issues. I mean, we were looking at over a year between issue two and well three. Over a year. So is there any particular reason for that, or is that just basically life getting in the way of your creative endeavors? Uh, again, uh, that's down to, uh, uh, yeah, again, it's down to things getting in the way, the need to eat. Um, <laughs> there isn't a huge amount of money in comics. Well, not if you're uh, producing them in the way that I produce them. Um, so I have to uh, lean towards commission work on the side. So, the, uh, so what you see, Little Victory, all all the comics, they're very much side projects. Um, as much as I would like to devote more time to them, day to day endeavors sort of have to take priority, unfortunately. So, Little Victory is being distributed through Indie Planet for print issues. Have you given any thought to a digital distributor like Comicsology or something? Um, that's something people have asked me about in, uh, asked in the past. Uh, there is uh, a lot of money within digital distribution, but I was waiting until the full the full hard copy print run had gone through before mm-hmm. I decided before I planned on releasing it as sort of PDFs again. Um, and that's purely down to the piracy issue. Yeah, true. But if you actually were to start releasing it digitally now, say again on Comixology or something, there is a potential where you could be making some money on this and then could spend more time working on it. Um, Sadly, at this rate, (laughs) we're going to be all men by the time this story ends. (laughs) So we talked about... Uh, the, all of the main ones. And then you do have some other projects on the go too. There's Bad Nero, you got Terra Abnorma, and then you get this Amid the Ashes, a board game, which I'm fairly curious about that. That's uh, That, again, just stems from something I always wanted to do was to sort of develop a board game. Um, actually, I've got a number of ideas for different board games. So that, uh, in comparison with the comics, yeah, that probably is quite out of the blue. Um but I had the time on hand uh, to do it, so I thought I'd give it a shot and see what the market was. Um, you need to make some friggin' trading card games. Dude, <laughs> with your art and these ideas, a trading Two card game? right here. Oh, my God. That you would be incredible. Fans, you? What's that? Uh, you guys are a big magic fan. Oh, Jesus. If, if it's a trading card game, I'm there. Okay, I don't care what it is. Trading card game, not just my okay. Oh yeah, I I love that stuff. I'm just freaking get hooked on that. Um, And actually, the 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 boys were just playing the new Might and Magic one yesterday. We're actually going to have a video out on that. And uh, yeah, no, we love that stuff. So that's what you need to work on: freaking (laughs) Battle Bunnies trading card game. (laughs) I'll try to come up with something. That would be freaking (laughs) awesome. Oh man. (laughs) <laughs> you got me thinking now. <laughs> yeah, anything, you've done it. Yeah, really. Anything else that you're, you've got in the pipes that you want to talk about? I think you've actually covered pretty much everything. Pretty much uh, everything, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my main focus at the moment is just to sort of get my backside in gear and hurry up and 
finish on with uh, little victory. Oh, you have to do more with that. Seriously, there's... Oh, I will. I'm not going to leave it. It's not going to No, no, what I'm grade. trying to impart here is I don't want to wait a year for issue four. No, no, I, I, I promise it. I will be getting to work on that within the next few days, hopefully. Oh, fantastic. So, folks, again, I'm going to have all of the links in the show notes. Make sure to check it out. I'm going to have the links to the all of the issues as well that you can pick up at, um, at, the, at the site. I strongly recommend picking up Little Victory. It is a phenomenal series. I can't wait to see how it progresses. I'm hoping that you're going to send me new issues as they come out because I really want to talk about it on the show as well. I loved it, and I know Vince did as well. I shall pass them on. <laughs> that is excellent. Fantastic. Okay, so we're going to tackle now what we're reading, and you said you wanted to stick around. So yes, yeah, I'll hang around. I'm going to start off, and then we'll give you a little bit of time that way to think about some of the comics you'd like to talk about. Um, I tackled the newest Ultimate Comics X-Men. You read that one, Vince? I did, and I'm trying to remember what happened. Uh, basically, it's the they're <laughs> coming to a head with the military. The same response. Yeah, I know. Coming to a head with the military, and they had the big standoff with Kitty and the general and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of getting tired with the whole fighting the military thing. It's as if it's been, we've seen enough of this between all of the Ultimate X comments. I mean, the, the X-Men one, that's all has been this entire time. It'd be nice if there was a different foe for them, a different something than this again. I don't know if you're in the same boat as me. It, as much as I'm really enjoying the comic, I think it's reaching the point where, like several, so many other comics, I enjoy it more as like a collection of stories than issue to issue. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I read up some more on Injustice, which we're talking about, and that's like my guilty pleasure right now. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Dude, are you caught up? Yes. Okay, I'm not entirely caught up. I still have the last one to read, but I did get caught up on the other two. Oh, I'm... I can't believe I'm still enjoying this, I, but I really am. I'm actually freaking <laughs> loving this. And it's getting more hell-bent now, at least to the point that where I'm at. And yeah, I'm, I'm still freaking digging it. Um, did you read Dream Merchant? I, I'd heard of it, but I hadn't checked it oh, out. Dude, you got to check it out. Freaking okay. awesome. It's Again, it's a way different kind of story. You have this guy who has been having the same nightmare essentially every single night and then he's having a problem trying to determine what's real and what's not and then he winds up in an asylum kind of thing the story is because of how it's written between the what might be real what might be a dream and then how the people not people but the the things whatever you want to call them in the dream are actually going to start interacting with him now even it creates this really kind of surreal atmosphere throughout the entire story that I was really freaking digging. It was actually very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Something different from the superhero fair kind of thing. I really enjoyed it a lot. Cool. And the art was phenomenal. Okay, what do you got, Vince? Uh, I actually took your recommendation and read uh, Red Hood issue 20. Right. And I, I agree. It was pretty darn I, good. It was. It's a new writer. <laughs> and, and see, that's what we've been talking about how many times. It's not the characters that are bad. It's not even the concepts. It's well, put them in the hands good. of a good writer. The and the well, yeah, but you know what I mean. You put it in the hands of a good writer and you're going to wind up with something good. Because the most important thing for me here is you can see uh, Tinian is kind of fixing all the toys yeah. that Lobdell broke. I mean, the, in this one issue that the character development he started introducing for Starfire – 
really oh, just geez. excuses every bad decision Lobdell made with the character and is bringing her back around to something that might be enjoyable as long as they fix her costume too. Yeah. Well, not just that, but they make her um, not just a character that has got no will or anything, but somebody that has been making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Not just good ones, and it's just kind of whatever, make it all sweet and, and, and perfect. No, she's been making bad decisions, so it's given her a lot more depth now. Mm-hmm. And I also read Green Lantern issue 20, the first Green Lantern issue oh, I've picked up in I'm God, so behind on those. It's unbelievable. No, I, I, I didn't even up. bother trying to catch up, but it was Jeff John's final issue and it was like 70 some pages. I was like, all right, I'll check this one out. And even I had no idea what was going on previously, but it was pretty simple stuff. I was able to sort it out. But in this one issue, it kind of epitomizes everything that was great about Jeff John's run and everything that really tired us out on it because you had really strong character work for Hal and Sinestro. Sinestro stole this entire issue he was fantastic and how was great you know it was really big world building storylines but at the same time it was repeating so much stuff we've seen before like he he seriously over the course of his green lantern run kind of repeated the war of light three or four times in different story arcs (laughs) and that's just why i got tired of it it got boring and this this storyline was more the same it was like oh remember the white lantern remember necron remember all this stuff and it just showed up but the the huge send-off he gave the characters. I mean, I I really wish he would stick around just to write a Sinestro series. You know, kind of what we wished the new 52 Green Lantern had been with Sinestro. I still want to read that comic from Jeff Johns. Yeah, we still want it to exist, yeah. All right, anything else? No, that's all I got this week. Philip, what you got? Uh, what's sitting on my desk at the moment? Oh, my reviews are going to sound so shallow in comparison to those. I look at <laughs> comics because they look pretty. Um, the, what's sat on my desk at the moment? Uh, all new X-Men. Right. Ooh. Yeah, well, you can't say anything but good about that. You better not well, the, say anything. The bad. Main, I mean, the main reason I picked that one up because was because it looked pretty. They've got a wonderful art team working on oh, it. Oh yeah, um, this is one of the first X Men comics I've actually read, picked up and read and enjoyed for years. I kind of went off them a while back. Um, so yeah, all new X Men, um, Abe Sapien. You know what? Dark I picked Horse. that up and I started reading the Abe Sapien stuff. I and I don't know. I was finding it hard to get into it uh, with the first issue. It just. It it was all over the place. I I didn't I wasn't enjoying it. Have you followed the BPRD series thus far? Not everything. No, I'm not going to lie. No. Right, then you probably it, yeah. It, well, I mean, it, in that case, it's like me going back to the X Men. You won't have a clue what's going on. Yeah. Um, you really need to have uh, followed the BPRD series in order to actually understand what on earth is going on in Abe Sapien. Um, the whole Hellboy. Uh, series itself, I feel, is sort of gradually sliding into the same problem X-Files had in the sense Mm. that that started off each week you'd have an individual standalone story that um, focused on a different piece of mythology and just had a couple of familiar characters uh, investigating it. That's what Hellboy started out as. And gradually it's getting bogged down in its own mythology. So yeah, the whole BPRD series and the spin-offs, Abe Sapien um, and and the other series that followed the other characters regarding the BPID are kind of getting lost in amongst the uh, the sprawling mythology. Hmm. Okay. And the last comic that's on my desk is Gold Digger, Fred Perry, Antarctic Press. I don't know whether you chaps read that. <laughs> Probably I, not by the side. That's, that's a new one to me. <laughs> I haven't even heard of that. Oh, right. Okay. I'll have to point you guys towards this then. Yeah. Is uh, it right. good? Um, <laughs> do, you, do you chaps read any Antarctic Press at all? No, I don't. Right. Well, uh, if if you enjoy if you enjoy 
my work, you will enjoy Fred Perry's work an awful lot more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, it's, it, the Gold Digger is my favorite comic. It's the only comic that I read that actually has me bouncing up and down in my chair with sheer and utter glee. Okay, where is this based out of? Is this a, um, a UK one or is no, it no, where? No, 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 this San Antonio. Huh. Um, well, it's a small geez. outfit. Send me well, a link. Okay, yeah, I'll sure. You. <laughs> Definitely. I will check it out for sure. It sounds good. But like I say, it's hit issue 200 now, so you've got a bit of catching up to do. Oh, oh. <laughs> You're giving me a challenge. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I'm, I'm just reading the header here. 199 of the comics are now free online. Well, okay, then. well, there, there, that solves that problem. So, so you've no excuse now. You've got to track it down. Definitely send me a link. I'll, I'll make sure to check it out. It better be good. <laughs> and I'm coming back after you. <laughs> Anything else? Um, no, that's all I have on my cluttered desk at the moment. All right. So new for this week, we're looking at Avenging Spider-Man number 21, Captain America number 7, Dark Avengers 190. That's the final one of that. Indestructible Hulk number 8, New Avengers number 6, Savage Wolverine. I don't even know why I put that there. Number 5, Uncanny X-Force number 5, Venom 35, Wolvie and his Beeps number 30, and X-Men number 1. And that X-Men number 1 is the one with the female characters ah. that are going to be running Did you see that, that um, variant Did you Scotty see- Young? Which one? The Deadpool one? No, the, the the little the babies one. No, I didn't. Oh my god, that that is by far the best one he's done yet. I'm gonna have to check it. Actually, I thought you were talking about the Deadpool variant where it's the uh, the Beatles pose crossing the street. I, no, I haven't seen funny. that one. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't even like Deadpool, and I liked it. Uh, on the DC side, we're looking at a new Superman story, which this is uh, Adventures of Superman number one, the Dark Knight Annual number one, Catwoman Annual number one, the Earth Two Annual number one, and which is the other one, Red Hood and the Outlaws. We got another annual, so it's the week of annuals. We've got Injustice Gods Among Us number five. That's a collection of how many are they putting per? Issue, is it? Is it four I think five? it's three. Three? Three okay. digitals per each published. Okay. Uh, Justice League of America number four and Wake number one. I put Wake number one because that is actually a new one from um, Scott Snyder, actually. Hmm. So this is one with him and Sean Murphy, and it's on the vertical side, and it's a, a horror. Uh, okay. And I kind of read up on it, and I thought, oh, this might actually be pretty good. We like his writing, so. Uh, others, we've got... The final issue of Until We Sleep, which is the Dragon Age three-parter. I read the first two, loved them, so really looking forward to reading this. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it can't be number two. I didn't write that right. What is that? No, I think it's 21. 21 or something? I, obviously, that's a typo. Uh, and then I put the Transformers for you. More Than Meets the Eye, number Yay. 17. And Prime Beast Hunters, number one, a new one. More importantly, however, we've got Chew, number 34. Can't wait for that. East of West, number two. Which we were we were digging. Is that a reprint? Because issue two came out a while Did ago. Did it? Yeah, I read it. Well, goddamn. Okay, well, fine. That's my fault. <laughs> and uh, number four of five for five weapons, which I am still digging. I know it's silly hey. popcorn fun, but I'm digging it and I'm enjoying it. So that is it for the week. Philip, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us. This was fantastic. Great look at the inside of your work. And uh, And again, we cannot praise your work enough recommend it to everybody I think it's fantastic I just need to work faster that's the one thing dude (laughs) that's pretty minor it's one thing we love it so much we want more and with that we're going to wrap it up for the week thanks for joining us you can catch us again next week when Vince will be back in charge and things will suck alright take care we'll talk to you later